Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we're grateful that you're sharing part of your evening with us. And of course, we have with us our co-host, Earl Erskine. Hi, Welcome Doris, again. Thank, Thank you, you for coming again. Happy to be here. Sharing our information, the yeah, lots of information we can always talk really about. Really good stuff tonight. Polygamy. Yeah. Before we get started, however, we do have the final announcement that we want to make about the revival meetings that's going on at Mill Creek Church this weekend. In fact, the first one is tomorrow night, Friday, October 27th at 7 p.m. The speaker will be Mike Pless. And Saturday, uh, October 25th, the meeting is at 4 p.m. And the speaker is Dr. Francis Davis, uh, who is also the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. And then Sunday morning at 10.45 a.m., Jerry Martin is our speaker. And our special uh, music director that morning will be our Dorothy Catlin. Revival is where Christians commit to say, I'm going to draw near to God every day. I'm going to walk with God every day. And nothing is going to stand in my way. We collectively petition God to revive our individual hearts, empowering us to do His works His way and to live a life that's alive in Jesus Christ. So please join us uh, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Mill Creek Church. Uh, The address is 1515 East, 4500 South in Salt Lake City as we bask in His love and celebrate and rejoice in forgiveness and grace and in His holy presence. In previous shows, we have presented biblical passages, many biblical passages, as foundational proof that polygamy was never commanded by God. Instead, that every instance of polygamy in the Bible is negative and destructive. We've talked about Abraham and Jacob and King David and others in the Bible who took multiple wives. We haven't discussed yet another sad story of polygamy in the Bible, and that story is in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. So tonight we're going to present more biblical understanding and information of why polygamy was never commanded by God to Joseph Smith or to anyone else ever. Polygamy destroys the family as God originally created it to be, and polygamy destroys lives today just like it did thousands of years ago. And yet polygamists and the LDS continue to say that God God commanded it in the Bible, but no one has ever given a verse from the Bible where God commanded it. Well, let's begin with Hannah's story tonight from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Yeah, verses 1 and 2, it says, There was a certain man from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Verses 6 through 8, it says, And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? 
So we can see how sad and heartbreaking this is just in those few words. Although polygamy was permitted, it was not generally indulged in by uh, the main population of Israel, the people of the Old Testament. And it wasn't the prophets who took plural wives. It was primarily the kings, despite the known command from God prohibiting the kings from multiplying wives unto themselves. And then, of course, there were times when uh, in the main population a woman couldn't have children, so the man, in order to to have children, would take Take another. uh, another wife. That's generally when polygamy was practiced. It wasn't a command from God, nor was it the prophets who practiced it. The Old Testament is historical recorded testimony of man's rebellion against God's will as they continuously clamored after their own choices of behavior. And this rebellion includes their stubbornness in taking multiple wives after God had designed and presented monogamy um, for marriage. And just as in other places in the Bible where polygamy is recorded, it was always the ruin of unity and family life, and it is in Hannah's life. In verses 6 through 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, the joy and the rejoicing of, of going to the house of the Lord, which was their national celebration when they would go to Jerusalem, yeah. and, and the, the, their, that, that was marred with the trouble between the polygamous wives. Uh, Panina was able to have children, Hannah was not, so Panina taunted Hannah. The inability to produce children was in those times a very humiliating situation, and Panina took unfair advantage of her ability to have children. Hannah's husband constantly reassured her that he loved her more than if they had ten sons, but that reassurance didn't stop the hurt of the other wife's miserable abusive provocations. In fact, the abusive actions and cruelty of this wife was so bad that Hannah got to the place where she couldn't even eat and she would cry constantly. Hannah's grief was for two reasons. The verse says that her rival kept provoking her in order to (laughs) irritate her. So she purposely... A little jealousy there. (laughs) Jealousy, yeah. She purposely and continuously provoked Hannah particularly to irritate her. She wanted Hannah to be miserable. She wanted Hannah to think that their husband loved her most. Polygamy is cruel, and plural wives can also be very cruel. God's plan is love, not rivalry. And this rival wife was haughty and rude towards Hannah. Cruel competition is one of the basic behavioral traits of many a polygamous tome. Now, her husband, to his credit, tried to comfort Hannah despite the rival wife's taunting, but we wonder why he wasn't successful at stopping the cruelty because the verse says that she kept on doing this, so it went on year after year. I'm sure there's very subtle ways of making sure you send your message (laughs) Uh, to the rival. And, and, you know, this happened with Hagar and Abraham yeah. and Sarah. Sarah That's right. couldn't get pregnant. Hagar yeah. did, and she started taunting Sarah, yeah. which caused that mess as well. Although Hannah's husband tried to console her, cons- consolation does not neutralize the pain of sharing your husband with another woman. And it doesn't change the heart either or stop the jealous response, like you yeah. mentioned, that polygamy leeches out of the lives of polygamous women. This home was in direct conflict with God's idea 
of monogamy. So of course there's jealousy, rivalry, strife, anger, and deep emotional pain with little or no domestic tranquility. And we find a lot of that in Jacob's four wives too. There was nothing but strife and, and competition and jealousy going yeah. on with those four women. <laughs> And of course, it's another example that every single story of polygamy in the Bible is a negative experience. God's plan from the beginning was monogamy, as we find in Genesis chapter 2. Yeah, this is just the second chapter of Genesis. For yeah. this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So there's two people <laughs> yeah. represented here in marriage, one man and one woman, and Jesus confirmed creation here. Yeah. He confirmed Adam and Eve. He confirmed marriage and monogamy in Matthew chapter 19. Verses 4 and 5, it says, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So when Pretty Jesus, <laughs> yeah, that's very clear. So he goes yeah. clear back to the beginning yeah. and, and reinforces the fact that this is, this is actually true. This happened and this was the ideal. Yeah. And, and it's a, a man and a woman, the two will become one flesh. This doesn't happen in polygamy. Monogamy has always been God's plan for marriage. And, and I guess the question is, do you believe Jesus or not? I mean, that's, that's the yeah. main question. Do you believe yeah. him or not? Now, in Christianity, polygamy was marked for extinction by God's command not to allow a man with more than one wife to serve in a leadership position of higher church offices. Yeah, there's three different scriptures beginning in 1 Timothy 3.2. It says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, 1 Timothy 3.12. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And Titus 1.6 says, An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. And that Again, is clear. clear. <laughs> you don't get more clear than that. And and you know, there's some pro polygamists that claim that the original uh, in that the, it means that you have to have at least, at one, least wife one wife in order to serve. But it oh. doesn't say that. And if you get in the original language, and I've gotten in there and I've looked at the Greek language and and read the people who know Greek best. And the language forbids that interpretation. A man must have only one wife and not more than one wife. And contrary to God's command, all the early church, Mormon church leaders were polygamists. Yeah. They all were. And, and the leaders of all the polygamy groups today uh, have one, more than one wife. So if you're going to use the Bible to, as a basis for polygamy, use it all. And be honest with the way you use it. The claims that God commanded and condoned polygamy needs to stop because their claim is bearing false witness against God himself. Now, it's interesting that in the past few days, the LDS Church has admitted something they refuse to admit uh, forever. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, they, they actually previously denied these things they're admitting. They posted articles on their website about Joseph Smith's polygamy. Yeah, they have. Finally admitting that Joseph Smith had somewhere between 30 and 40 wives. Now, we've been accused of being anti-Mormon. We've been called evil because we discussed the polygamous practices of Joseph Smith. Now they're admitting it's true. They denied it all this time, and now they're admitting it is true. The historical account of Joseph Smith's polygamy has always been there. Yeah. 
and they denied it. But now they're backpedaling and admitting that it's true. And, and how many people have called on the show, emailed us, sent me snail mail. Uh, they've, they've, they've told us how evil we are because we would say that Joseph Smith had 34 wives. And they, they've ranted at me. Yeah. Um, and other people that, that, not just me, but other people, you know, who've talked about his polygamy. Well, I know of people that have shared this information once they learned it with their family, and they were considered anti-Mormon. Mm -hmm. And they were ostracized by their family for sharing these for truths. Sharing it. And now they're coming, now the church is admitting it. Now and you just have it. to really wonder how many other things... When, uh, exactly. we, when we share them with the world mm -hmm. and these truths, eventually the truth will come out. Eventually I think, and it the comes out, will have to admit. And, and and they're admitting. Yeah. They're admitting. And now it. they're admitting the polygamy. Right. They're not being totally honest yet because uh, and it's a sordid business. This polygamy, early Mormon history of polygamy, yeah. is very sordid, and and they're still covering up. Uh, a lot of the things that they've denied, but we wonder why. What it would take? Uh, why the if the LDS people now will stop and think and maybe step back and begin to doubt all the other inconsistencies mm -hmm. and denials that the LDS leadership has covered up uh, for years and Absolutely. years, and then and then later admit that it was true after all. That's what they've done mm -hmm. here. Who has been leading who astray? Yeah. We ask. It's obvious. It's too bad that they refuse to just come forward with the complete truth about everything. And now that we have established again that God never decreed polygamy and that polygamy is destructive to personal and family life as God ordained it to be, we want to take a look at some portions of the so-called polygamy revelation in Doctrine and Covenants 132. And the first verse that we present to you is verse 34, section 132. If you don't believe what we're saying, get out your Doctrine and Covenants and read along with us. We're beginning with verse 34, where Joseph Smith created what the Bible calls a damnable heresy as he twisted the account of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Verse 34 of section 132. God commanded Abraham and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. Okay, so it's, the, it no. says God commanded Abraham. Yeah. And Sarah gave Hagar to wife. So there's no place in the Bible where God commanded Abraham to take another wife. If you disagree, show us by all means where it's at. And it isn't honest to say that the Bible is mistranslated here because it's not in Joseph Smith's translation either. Right. Twisting and misrepresentation of biblical scripture was normal procedure of Joseph Smith. You can read this story in Genesis chapter 16 for yourself in both the King James Version and Joseph Smith's Version and you'll find no command from God for Abraham to practice polygamy. Now we continue to receive criticism for saying that section 132 is about polygamy. If section 132 is not the revelation on polygamy which Joseph Smith claimed God gave him, then where is it? Yeah, that's a good point. What happened to it? If this isn't it, we ask our critics, where is the revelation on polygamy? But section 132 is all about plural wives, and we're going to discuss from section 132 the so-called law of Sarah in its context, beginning with verse 62. 
ask. Yeah, Doctrine and Covenants 132, verse 62. And if he have ten virgins given unto him by this law, he cannot commit adultery, for they belong to him, and they are given unto him, therefore is he justified. Okay, so now we're going to look at this just a little more closely. Yeah, good idea. And we're going to help you see what is in this so that you will know uh, where polygamy is in all this hodgepodge of verses. So let's look at it close, more Very, closely. A little more closely. If he, singular, have ten virgins, plural wives, given unto him by this law, which is the law of polygamy, he cannot commit adultery, for they, are, for they belong to him. And they, the plural wives, are given unto him, plural marriage, Therefore, is he justified? Now, that's polygamy. Very clear. Yeah. Very clear. What sure. man takes ten virgins and it's not polygamy? <laughs> uh, I, and, and if you can't see it here, you've got your blinders on. Now we're going to read verse 63 the same way. We'll read it first, and then we'll go back in and take a closer look at and it. And this is the very next verse, and it says, But if one or either of the ten virgins, after she is espoused, shall be with another man, she has committed adultery, shall be destroyed, for they are given unto him to multiply and replenish the earth. And then mm -hmm. more closer look is to verse 63. But if one or either of the ten virgins, after she is espoused, which means married, shall be with another man, she has committed adultery, and shall be destroyed, for they, the plural wives, are given unto him, one husband, to multiply and replenish, and that's the purpose, uh, uh, multiply and replenish the earth. Okay, so to, very quickly, the purpose of polygamy was multiply yeah. and replenish. It's already been multiplied and replenished. Right, we don't right. need it now. That was only at the very beginning of time. And furthermore, they always bragged because out of all these wives Joseph Smith had, he never had any children, which was proof to them that he didn't have all these wives. But now the LDS Church is acknowledging he did have all these wives. Why did he have them if he didn't have children with them? Oh, anyway, it, it's odd that God says there's no favoritism with him, that he would bless this promiscuous man with ten virgins and destroy a promiscuous woman. Yeah. You know, did Joseph Smith or any of the other polygamists ever read and understand the implications in John chapter 8 and how Jesus treated the woman caught in adultery with pure grace and not condemnation? What kind of a Jesus do they have here? Let's look at verse 64 of section 132. Next verse, it says, If any man have a wife who holds the keys of this power, and he teaches un unto her the law of my priesthood as pertaining to these things, then shall she believe and administer unto him, or she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord your God, for I will destroy her. And a more close look. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. It is terrible. If any man have a wife who holds the keys of this power, and he teaches unto her the law of my priesthood, which is polygamy, as pertaining to these things, polygamy, then shall she believe and administer unto him the first wife commanded to believe in and practice polygamy. You can see that's right there. Yeah. Or she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord your God, for I will destroy her. Now there's the law of Sarah. Yeah. That's what they call the law of Sarah and proof that the polygamous culture and the polygamous doctrine does not offer free choice to the woman, but instead she is threatened with destruction if she doesn't allow her husband to take plural wives. But Jesus said that he didn't come into the world to condemn us, but he came to redeem us, to save us. 
Something is wrong with Joseph Smith's unbiblical Jesus. Now, the fundamentalists teach that they call, and which they call the law of Sarah, which requires that a man's first wife has the right to consent or refuse to consent to her husband's wishes to marry additional wives. But the first wife was in serious trouble if she refused to give her consent. In verse 65 of section 132, God again threatens the first wife with destruction if she does not give her consent. I think you call this covering your bases. You know? <laughs> yes, it absolutely Verse 65 is. says, Therefore it shall be lawful in me, if she receive not this law, for him to receive all things whatsoever I, the Lord his God, will give unto him, because she did not believe and administer unto him according to my word, and she then becomes the transgressor, Ooh. and he is exempt from the law of Sarah, who administered unto Abraham according to the law when I commanded Abraham to take Hagar to wife. So there's a lot of wrong <sighs> things in this, a lot of things that are damnable heresies, as the Bible says. Let's look at this closer. And I didn't question this for 65 years. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Therefore it shall be lawful in me, if she receive not this law, the law of polygamy, for him to receive all things, many wives, whatsoever I, the Lord his God, will give unto him, because she did not believe and administer. So the first wife commanded to believe and practice polygamy unto him according to my word, and she then becomes the transgressor. He is exempt from the law of Sarah, who administered unto Abraham according to the law, when I commanded Abraham to take Hagar to wife. So the law of Sarah is very deceitful, isn't it? Well, it, look, it sounds like it, Damned if you do. he's going to get his own way, whether she, exactly. if she agrees, great, and if she doesn't, well, she's That's not following bad. the law, and so I get to so do it anyway. So she becomes the transgressor. Yeah. He gets to go out and commit adultery with several wives, but she's the one. That is that's the transgressor. That turns everything upside down. Either way, the first wife's monogamous marriage ends up to be polygamous. It's a damned if you do, and it's a damned if you don't scenario for the wife. It's a classic catch-22. Polygamous will often deceive potential first wives by promising she has all the power whether her husband lives polygamy or not. But sadly, she doesn't read the entire section properly, and she takes their lies as truth. The law of Sarah purportedly gives the first wife the right of consent. If she consents, then her monogamous marriage becomes polygamous. But if she refuses consent, then God destroys her. <laughs> what kind of choice? No wonder when people escape from polygamy, they have no desire to follow God. What a mean and nasty God the early Mormons invented. But he's not the true God. He is a contrived God who doesn't even exist. In either scenario, the husband is exempted from the law of Sarah and can go ahead and take additional wives. The outcome is the same. Either way, her marriage becomes polygamist. So in reality, the first wife has no power to keep her husband from practicing polygamy. If she tries to stop him, she loses. If she consents, she still loses. Early Mormon polygamist Orson Pratt <laughs> also explained the law of celestial marriage and the law of Sarah like this. This is out of volume one of the Seer, number three, page 41. When a man who has a wife teaches her the law of God and she refuses to give her consent for him to marry another according to that law, then it becomes necessary for her to 
for her to state before the president the reasons why she withholds her consent. If the wife can show no good reason why she refuses to comply with the law, which was given unto Sarah of old, then it is lawful for her husband to be married to others without her consent, hmm. and he will be justified, and she will be condemned because she did not give them unto him. There you have it. This is an apostle, uh, right? An apostle. apostle. He's apostle. He's a seer. He's a prophet. <laughs> the law of God, of course, is referenced in here as plural marriage. I mean, if it's yeah. the law of God, how come you're not living it today? That's a good question for those in the LDS church. But if it's a polygamist looking at this, for heaven's sakes, look at it and see if they're telling the truth because they're not. Orson Pratt completely misrepresented what the Bible says about Sarah of old. As we've proven many times, there's no command from God for, uh, for Abraham to uh, give, uh, for Sarah to give, say, Hagar to Abraham. Now, during the Reed Smoot hearings that began in 1904, Joseph F. Smith, who was the Mormon president, stated the official church position on the wife's consent to polygamy. Here are some of the transcripts of that portion of the hearings. President Smith says, the condition is that if she does not consent, the Lord will destroy her, but I do not know how he will do it. Question, is it not true that if she refuses her consent, her husband is exempt from the law which requires her consent? President Smith, yes, he is exempt from the law which requires her consent. She is commanded to consent. But if she does not, then he is exempt from the requirement. <laughs> Question, then he is at liberty to proceed without her consent under the law. In other words, her consent amounts to nothing. President Smith, it amounts to nothing but her consent. Just words. Yeah. Yeah, just words. That's all it is. And that's the president of the church saying it means nothing. For those who are in polygamy communities that's watching our show tonight, we do hope that you can see the nonsense in all of this. Uh, we hope that you realize that God is not this kind of a God that the polygamists have uh, portrayed him to be. He's not a God who gives false freedoms, who plays word games, who claims to love you, but then you discover that if you're female, he doesn't love you very much after all. In true Christianity, male and female are equal, one with the other in all things. There are no gender-based hierarchies or power structures with God. In fact, the opposite is true. And if your religion teaches gender-based inferiority and power structure, it's not Christian. The Bible teaches that we are to consider others better than ourselves, which includes the husband and the wife relationship in monogamy. And Jesus also taught that those who exalt themselves over others will be humbled. There's no such thing in God's plan that the husband may seek more than one wife at a time and that the wife is required to willingly share and give her consent for him to have spiritual mistresses. Polygamists always use the Bible and biblical characters to assume biblical authority for polygamy, but it actually teaches the opposite. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself tells us that if a married man as much as looks at another woman in desire, 
he has committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew chapter 5. Yeah, the Sermon on the Mount. If you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that must have gone on a lot, or does go on a lot in polygamy. Oh, sure it does. I mean, shopping for they a do. wife. Yes. That's got to be lustful. And, and, and I've talked with women from polygamy group and I say, what was the hardest thing for you? And they would always say, when my husband would go out looking for another wife, he'd go out looking be. for someone and to ask her so to date. And, and here he is dating and she's staying home, you know, with the children and all that. Uh, that Jesus condemns the actions of those polygamists. Polygamy and the law of Sarah can easily be categorized as what the Bible calls doctrines of demons, because it certainly did not come from God. So I hope that we've clearly talked about... Yeah, I hope somebody pays attention to this. Gosh. Uh, it's just yeah. like you said, you read section 132 for how many years and you yeah. didn't see all this in it. I just, it just didn't click. I've, I've two had, and two never made four, I guess. Didn't. I don't know. It's strange. And I've had a lot of people that either email or call, they've called even on the show and said, polygamy is not in section 132. It's just not there. You're making this up. <laughs> it's, it's all about eternal marriage. Oh, no, it's not. It's all about polygamy. And if this isn't polygamy, like I said, where is his polygamy revelation? What happened to it? Yeah. And the LDS Church, too. If you go on and look at the essays on polygamy online, they all to return or refer <laughs> to section 132, so they know that it is. We're going to take our break now and open up our telephone lines. Our number is 801-973-8820 if you'd like to weigh in on some of this. <laughs> uh, we'd like to hear from you. Give us a call. We are going to share um, with you a short clip again from our Home for Hagar um, DVD, and we'll be back after that to take the phone calls. The night of my wedding was the saddest day of my life. Either you live polygamy or you're going to go to hell. And I would wish somebody would come and kidnap me and take me away. I had no idea what polygamy was actually going to be like. Dear God, help me get out. All these men did whatever they wanted to all these women in my life, and sometimes me. I was given as a third wife to a man that I'd hated since I was nine. And I couldn't do what I would think about it. I was born here, in the land of the free, a slave in a polygamous cult, and my story is not unique. What Love Is This? I'm Doris Hansen, your host, and with our co-host, Earl Erskine, we've been discussing biblical polygamy and section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is the so-called revelation that Joseph Smith claimed God gave him to practice polygamy. And uh, we've been going through the law of Sarah, which is pretty well uh, uh, laid out there in that mm. few, those few verses that we went through. I have a, a request for our viewers before we get started on the rest of our show. We need an attorney. We need or some attorneys who would donate some time 
to counsel with possible young adults from polygamy groups who are seeking emancipation. There are some who have contacted me who are going through abuse, they want out, they're in situations that it's going to take some legal minds to help. And we have asked in the past for uh, legal help and it's just so hard to come by who's not afraid of the P word, the polygamy word. And, and, and it's an ongoing need. It's a current issue now, it's an ongoing need. So if you or you know someone who's willing to give some time to this uh, great effort, please email us, uh, dorisaboutpolygamy.com or you can call in tonight and leave your phone number and we'll call you back. I'll give you a call back. These young people are facing physical and other abuses almost every day and they need a safe way out of their situation. So please help us uh, help them. Now, we do have uh, all of our lines full, but there none of them have come through yet. So let's so talk a little bit more about our favorite person, Orson Pratt. <laughs> no show really on early Mormon polygamy is complete without a few good quotes from him. And so we have another one that we want to share from his handy pen about polygamy. <laughs> again from the <laughs> again from the seer, page one twenty three. Sometimes objections are urged against the plurality system by saying that it takes away the rights of women and therefore it should be prohibited by law. But what rights of women does it take away? If several women voluntarily wish to unite their destinies with one man, what rights have been taken away? We answer none at all. On the other hand, the rights of women are destroyed and taken from them in prohibiting them by law to have the man of their choice. How many thousands of women there are who would rather remain single all their lives all their days than to accept the offers of many profligate young men for whom they entertain no other feelings but those of disgust. Could these same women have their rights which naturally belong to them but which our illiberal state governments have deprived them of? They would unite their destinies with good men and be infinitely more happy under the plurality system than they would be to remain in a state of celibacy or to be united with some wicked profligates. Give women their rights. Let them marry the man of their choice. <laughs> he said, give women their rights. Let yeah. them marry the man of their choice. Even if he's already married. Yeah. Even if he's already married. Let them marry him again. What about the rights of the first wife? What about the rights of all the children to whom one man becomes the father and he cannot be a proper father to them or a proper husband to all these women? What other religious system seeks to allow for single women to choose to marry a married man and it's okay. Orson Pratt gives one side of the issue here and even his one-sided assumption is fatally flawed. And why doesn't he give women the right to say no to plural marriage? Instead, in gross error, he presents the assumption that single women want to be united to a married man. That sure isn't what Jesus taught. Yet this man, like you said, he was an apostle, he was a prophet, he was a seer. Orson Pratt himself was a rotten and selfish polygamist husband. It was he who gathered riches and women to himself while one of his wives, who was a new mother with their third child, 
he left neglected and alone in Tooele, Utah, and she starved to death because he was guilty of gross negligence and withheld from that family both his love and his protection and his resources. Now that was wickedness, not righteousness. Yet Orson Pratt was the mouthpiece for righteous polygamy in those days of early Mormonism. What kind of hypocrisy is that? Worst kind. It's Worst horrible, kind. isn't it? Yeah. Got the story Worst kind. on that. Okay, looks like our calls are here. We have line one, Hector calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Hector. Uh, yes. You're on the air. I, I just wanted to commend you and uh, the gentlemen that come on uh, TV every week. I uh, think you're doing a fine job, and I think uh, convicting them with the truth is, is the way. We and, hope. And with much compassion. Um, I think it's uh, working. They uh, so. committed Joseph Smith at Mm -hmm. 30 some wives or whatever it is he had. So yeah. Something's, something's happening, so, isn't it? So God bless you all and I'll keep praying for you. Thank you, Hector. We appreciate that. And you know what's interesting in that essay, they put it on the footnote. They didn't put it in the body of their essay. Yeah. But down there, not, a, not very many people read the footnotes, to be honest with you. They don't. And then they gave him a leeway of 30 to 40 wives. Now, the most we've ever said on the show is 34. Uh -huh. So they've even given him uh, another six wives leeway. Well, they've got the records, so they must know. <laughs> yeah, they do. They've got the records. Yeah. yeah, I did actually read the footnotes of that. Uh, they quoted quoted a, one gentleman quite a bit there. Uh, that, yeah, anyway. they, they sure did. Yeah. Okay, line two, we have Lem from South Jordan calling. Hello, Lem. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. And you need to turn the, you need to turn the volume on your television down. Down, okay. Okay. Okay, what's your question? My question is, um, sounds like you do, you do not believe in polygamous, and you believe in the Bible. And Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, has more than one wife. He married, he married his own cousins, his mother's brother's daughters. So what do you call that? I call it biblical history. Yeah, and that's, that, that's no, so. That's that, that, that's no different than but, uh, but that Joseph Smith did. But that's not God didn't command it. That's our point, sir. Yeah, he did it, but God but didn't Smith, command it. Joseph Smith was commanded by God. No, he wasn't, because God doesn't yeah, command. He was. God does not command people to do something that and He has condemned. That He, he has prohibited. He was commanded by God. That's the only way. That if he didn't have more than one wife, so the the LDS people will never much multiply. I and can't that, understand that, what you're saying. Multiply the, the uh, multiply the, the Israelite was created because the Abraham was promised by the, by God that he would still be like the 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 son of the Shuas and. The of the year. I mean, it's the only way you can multiply, they have more than one wife. Uh, <laughs> Doris, no. Doris, you no. mentioned. That's no. how the problem was fulfilled. Lamb? And so the Smith fulfilled that, that promise too, in order for the LDS people to multiply and grow. You, you know what? If you would quit screaming at me, I could understand easier what you're saying. 
because a lot of your words have been muffled, and I, d I haven't been able to tell everything you've been able to say, but I think I've got some of it. Well, I'm going to hang up, and we're going to answer your question. Well, one thing I know I've heard you mention several times as a reminder to everybody that uh, one man with, with a bunch of women doesn't have any more children than uh, right. uh, these individual women being married yeah. to other men. One, one mean, man with six wives cannot yeah. have more children than six wives, each with their own husband. Right. I mean, In fact, they can really have less. <laughs> when, when, yeah. Yeah, when, Anyway, yeah. it's, it, so yeah. I don't know if it, that's answering his multiple. But the other point is, is that God never commanded polygamy he in the didn't. Bible. They he practiced didn't. it, they, and, and it's a historical record. It tells about that. The pagans were apparently practicing it, but uh, God never commanded it. He never commanded it. And they say that God commanded Joseph Smith to practice polygamy. How, and, and how do I know he didn't? I know he didn't because I know what the Bible says about it. Yeah. And God's not a schizophrenic. He doesn't say, don't do this and then turn around and command someone to do it. Yeah, if, if polygamy was a law, then it would have been, it would have surfaced at Adam and Eve and mm -hmm. Noah. Mm -hmm. Jesus would have talked about it. Paul would have talked about it. It just isn't there. It's not there. In fact, they, they speak to the contrary. To the contrary of polygamy. The bishop will be a, right. have one wife. And, and 1 Corinthians 7, 2 is still the best one for the New Testament. Each man shall have his own wife, and each wife shall have her own husband. Yeah. So it's very clear. God's not going to say one thing and then turn around and command. Well, Joseph Smith, yeah, he did everything that God commanded him not to do, or commanded in the Bible not to do. But, or many things, I should say. But that doesn't mean God told him to do it because God does not contradict himself ever. Okay, we have line three, John from Salt Lake City. Hello, John. Hello, you guys. Hello. Yeah. Um, I'm calling. Uh, uh, thank you for you guys uh, doing this for, you know, um, I'm Christian, but uh, I heard uh, people, they say this, I feel... Uh, like the uh, land, you know, land. Can you listen to that? Did the world did not only suggest to me? God make you. God make me to make the the whole world. Did not make the whole suggest to me. Did not make anything. And you guys believe that? Did the Bible say people that believe uh, Amen? They get the, the, last, the last day the church, the you guys get one very good amount going to tell you. Tell you guys, you know, the people that follow God, follow um, sure. any any man, you know. But last night uh, I heard uh, on the news in uh, Channel 5, they say Joseph Smith married uh, uh, 14 years old. Yeah. And take a wife from uh, the man. They say this on the news. He saw like yeah. in the general five. Yeah, he did. You he, know, he did. He married well, two fourteen-year-old girls. Yeah. In fact, and eleven. Eleven of his wives were teenagers. Eleven. One third of his wives were teenagers, and he was in his late thirties. Yep. And another yep. third. They, 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 they say this last night on the news. And they're not going to follow, or to, uh, I don't know what they're going to say, but they, I say that's the earliest people. You guys wake up and come read the, uh, not the, uh, a true book, the Bible. The okay. Bible that saved <laughs> us on earth. 
Okay, thank you. That's good advice, John. Thank you very much for calling and saying that because that's very good advice. We have other calls now, and we appreciate your calling and sharing with us. Okay, thank you. you thank you to you guys. Thanks, John. Did you have anything you wanted to add to? to no, what you said? just in the general. And I know we've got some calls, but well, I'll save that for another time. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Line one is Mark from Salt Lake City. Hello, Mark. Hello. Uh, all I was going to say was uh, you, ought, you ought to, uh, if you have the scriptures there, you could read to them the intrigue of Bathsheba and the prophet, uh, the, the uh, 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 intrigue to get Solomon onto the throne instead of uh, what uh, Ammon or whoever it was that was supposed, who had already claimed the, the, the kingship, and also you ought to read or <clears throat> uh, show how Solomon had, had married all these pagan wives and, and that he had set up a, mm -hmm. oh, what do you call them, a temple, no, not temples. Uh, well, he set up idolatry in All the in different the temple, uh, gods, yeah. and mm -hmm. that's, you know, and, and that's, they... Mormons claim that to be the basis of uh, modern polygamy. Well, they claim a lot of things about the Bible where they don't even, they don't take, they, well, they take it all out of context and they don't really understand what's going on. Or they could never say that Solomon or Abraham or David or any of those Old Testament men are good examples for polygamy because there's not one single place that shows it as a positive experience. And like you said, there was intrigue in Solomon's home, there was rape, there was murder, all kinds, and in David's home I mean, all kinds David, of horrible things as a result of it. Look, I, I think it's First Kings, of course, that the story in Chronicles is a little different and is cleaned up a bit, but in... Uh, it's there, uh, yeah. Oh, it's First no, Kings, uh -huh. where... It's just, a uh, Solomon is just, it, he isn't the man of wisdom that uh, uh, popular well, culture makes him out to be. Well, no, Solomon was. Uh, the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man that had ever lived on the earth. And he was wise, but he didn't use his wisdom well. Well, okay, okay, okay? but it's crazy. Anyway, you ought to read and go through those scriptures. Go through it all. You betcha. Read the Bible from cover to cover and then go back and read it again and compare some scriptures with each other and that's how you study the Bible and find out God's truth. Thank you, Mark, for calling. Okay, we have line two, Kathy from Salt Lake City. Hello, Kathy. Oh, hi. I'm so glad to talk with you again. I spoke with you several years ago. Okay. And I, I originally want to say kudos to you guys, because I remember at the time I spoke to you, I said, substance, we need teaching, and by golly, you've done it. It's absolutely incredible what you're teaching us as Praise a community, God. and I, I really believe that we lack critical thinking as people, and you are bringing it to us. And what I would like to know is there... Are we able to purchase your shows? Have you arranged anything where you can have your shows in series, where we can purchase them by the year, as they do in many of the shows, and we have them available to us to view in our homes? 
Yes, you can go on our website, whatloveisthis.tv. All of our previous shows are there where you could watch them anytime you wanted. Or you can buy, I think it's three shows per DVD, and I think there's information there on how to order and which shows you want to order. Okay. That is fabulous. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Kathy. I'm, I'm just so impressed by your truth. <laughs> thank and you. And thank God. Thank, thank God. Thank so God, for sure. For you and your show. Yeah. Thanks, well, thank Kathy. you, Kathy. It's encouraging. Well, that kind of is a segue maybe into what I was going to say earlier. It, and I don't know how to generalize this other than being a general comment, at least in my experience with Mormonism and, and probably polygamy too, but we take this information that we get in the Ensign and in General Conference and from Latter-day Scriptures, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price, and we just kind of think of them all as presenting the Gospel mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. And so when we, are, when we come out and, and when I start learning about the polygamy in the Bible or other scriptures that are taken out of context, I'm always trying to pull out what I think is I've been, what I've been taught all these years from all of the information mm -hmm. there. I don't just say I'm not willing to just take the Bible because I don't trust it anyway or didn't as a Latter-day Saint, but I'm not willing to take the Bible out and study it in its own context. Exactly. It's always in the context of modern LDS thought. Yes. And, and, and then I start realizing all these scriptures that I taught both as a missionary and that we've been talking about tonight, mm -hmm. they stand on their own in the Bible. Yes, they do. They don't need to be in context of this Gospel of Joseph Smith, this latter-day information that we've been given, they stand on their own. And if you think about them, they're, they're the truth. They, they're the truth in the context of the Bible, of the Bible. and when they stand on their oh, own. On standing but on their own. But when they pick them out, when they pull them out and put them into uh, Mormon Scripture right. is when they're twisted. Absolutely. It's when they're misapplied. Right. And that turns them into heresies. But as a latter-day saint, you just think of this all as is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it mm -hmm. just isn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. it's not. It's no, very deceptive. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you can, you, can, you can say the gospel of Jesus Christ in 25 words or less. Yeah. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses, verses 1, 1 through, through 5. Okay, well, five. or 5, okay. because he was also seen. I yeah. think that's in verse 5. But anyway, um, and, and I've, I've taught this to people yeah. when we talk about this. It's so simple. Yeah. It's so simple. Jesus was born and lived on this planet. He died for our sins. He was buried, and he was raised from the grave, and he lives. And that's the gospel of Jesus yeah, Christ. That's the good news. Yeah, we don't yeah. have to do anything. Yeah. It's all Jesus. Yeah. And, and any religion that's focused on man or man's works or um, righteousness or self-righteousness. Or polygamy. And, and polygamy, <laughs> especially polygamy for salvation, which is one of the, the, uh, one of the many things in these new essays that came out, um, is they didn't mention, it's the things they didn't mention that's kind of unnerving, they didn't mention that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and all the other early Mormon leaders said polygamy was required for eternal life. Required. Mm. That's what they said. Yeah. And it was. And that's what we were taught in the polygamy group yeah. from section 132. <laughs> okay, we have on line two, David calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, David. Hello. You're on the air. Uh, thank you. I just wanted you to read over the air Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. 
it says, saith the Lord God of Israel, I gave thee thy master's house yes. and thy master's wives. Yes, David, we so have reason, gone... I'll let you comment on it. Day, okay, thank you very much. And that's a, 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 a question that we get a lot. Uh, we've gone through this on several shows in the past about where David committed adultery with Bathsheba and uh, they had a child and then the prophet comes to, da uh, to David and reminds him of this sin and, um, and, and of course David repents and so he's forgiven. Uh, for, for the adultery and also for the murder. But he reminds David that God was the giver of everything David have had. Now the context, we were just talking context, and you've got to get the whole context. Plus you need to know the history of what's going on in those times in that country. And the context is God gave to David everything he had. He gave him his master's palace, his master's kingdom, his master's wives, he said, okay? His master, David's master, was the former king Saul. Saul was dead. So David got everything that belonged to King Saul. The whole nation was his because David now was king. Well, some of the kings, when they first came into, when they would first come into their position, they would take the harem of the previous king and kill him off. David didn't do that. And then when I went back and I did a little bit more study on that, I discovered that Saul, who was the king at the time, only had two wives. One of them was his first wife and the other one was his concubine. Somebody else got that concubine and she would have been old enough to be David's mother anyway. So David did not have plural wives from the previous king. And if you don't believe me, you can go down and do the checking yourself because it's all there in the Bible, but it does take a little bit of work and a little bit of, of reading to discover it, but it's there. So when, when, when the prophet told David, God put those wives in your bosom, he's saying, you had anything in the kingdom you wanted, why did you go to a married woman and kill her husband? Is basically what's going on in that passage. And I hope that explains it. Um, we have a couple of calls. I don't know if we're going to have time. Um, it's kind of risky to take one at this point, but we'll try. Line three, Taylor uh, is calling from Orem. Taylor, we only have a minute. What do you have to say? Okay, the gentleman uh, a few moments ago, um, said that Mormons typically take the Bible out of context by comparing it with Latter-day Scripture as Mormons see it, yeah. such as the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah. And I was wondering how you find clarification in the Bible um, without an additional um, Latter-day prophet giving clarification or additional Scripture, well, because you see several different denominations these days uh, interpreting the Bible and the same Scriptures, um, with very different outcomes and meanings. Okay, well, first of all, the Bible interprets itself, and I'll go ahead and let you yeah, do that. Yeah, it's very simple. Ezekiel uh, 37, 15 through 17, that's a stick of Joseph thing that I used on my mission. You probably did too. Read verses 20, 21, 22, and 23. It tells you what those sticks are about. Read Isaiah 2 and 2, chapter 2, verse 2, where we use that all the time about the temple being built in the tops of the mountains. And then read verse 1 and see what it says. Isaiah 2, 2, and 2, 1. Okay. And, and Isaiah, I think it's chapter 5, too, is another one for the polygamous viewpoint because it says, in, those, in that day, uh, seven women will come and take one man and say, let me be your... And they use that uh, as a polygamy-proof yeah. text. But it's not. It's war and it's destruction. 
Um, but anyway, we hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, and I, it, yeah got I'd be happy to talk more to you, uh, be more detailed if, if he yeah. wanted to leave his name and number. Okay, well, we thank you for watching. Thank you again, you Earl, betcha. for being here. Very interesting. You know, we, we, there's lots to talk about. We often hear from people who claim that biblical Christianity is very near the beliefs that this culture teaches, but obviously they don't understand that biblical Christianity is far removed from every man-centered religious system on the planet. And there are people in polygamy and the mainstream LDS who do know that something is wrong, yet they stay where they are because it's comfortable or it's a good moral place to raise their family or they're afraid to stand for truth and get out and perhaps lose family and friends. The Bible says if we don't stand for the truth, we won't stand at all. And we all need to choose which side we're going to be on once and for all. Those who sit on the fence without making their choice on a particular side need to be aware that the devil owns the fence. We know of many people who are convinced that the religion of this culture is contrived, many people in polygamy who are aware of the crimes perpetrated against others, but they won't speak up. And we wonder why, mostly because of fear. But we plead with our viewers, take a stand, be bold, be honest, tell others the truth is worth it. If you don't tell the truth, who will? In 1 John 4.18 it says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, and God is love. Trying to preserve your safe position by not telling others the truth is unfair to those who are suffering because you're silent. Evil prospers when good people refuse to speak up. No matter the cost, God expects us to speak out against the wrongs. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what we all need to do. Thank you for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.